great to be here this morning. And as Neil said, we're continuing our series on Healthy Christian, Healthy Church. And, and just to recap, so far we've looked at mission, we've looked at prayer, we've looked at love. Last week, Neil spoke on sex. So glad I didn't get that one on my first Sunday morning preach. But this morning, we're, we're going to continue um, by looking at another vital sign, gratitude. And I wonder what that word gratitude brings to mind for you this morning. Neatly written thank you notes after Christmas and birthdays. A heartfelt thank you following a generous act. Maybe it's a list of things that you feel grateful for in your life right now. Or perhaps for some, it's a word that brings pain. Because despite all the love and time you've poured into that person, gratitude is the one thing you've never received in return. The word thank you is it's one of the first things, isn't it, that we're one of the first words we're taught as children. And I can remember when our eldest Caleb was a baby, I went on this baby signing class. Uh, I was pretty rubbish at remembering to do all the signs with him. But the one we did master was thank you. And so at six months old, he used to do this great little party trip of signing thank you. And the relatives loved it. It was really cute. I don't think he had a clue what it meant. Just he got lots of claps and cheers every time he did it. Um, every time he did his little trick. And, um, you know, we want our children to know the word thank you because it's good manners. It's what we're taught nice, respectable children say. And let's face it, it reflects well on us as parents as well. But sometimes we can see gratitude as just this. You know, a nice virtue, good manners, politeness. Yet when it's missing, when we give of ourselves consistently and get nothing in return, feel taken for granted, the emotion runs really deep. Even in a trivial scenario, like letting someone out at a junction, when there's no thank you, it really winds us up, doesn't it? Or is that just me? No, good. However, you know, it's when I consider my relationship with God, when I think about the gospel, the good news, when I start to get my head round just the, the amazing grace of God, that's when I really begin to understand gratitude and what it truly means. Oswald Chamber, the author of My Utmost to His Highest, wrote, the thing that awakens the deepest well of gratitude in a human being is that God has forgiven sin. You know, if I look at my life, I've been selfish, I've made mistakes, I've hurt people, I've lied. In short, I'm what the Bible calls a sinner. And the Bible's really clear that ultimately the punishment for sin is death. But at the point where my story meets the gospel story, I discover grace. A God who sent his son to die. Jesus, who was perfect. He'd never once sinned. He died in my place and rose again, breaking the power that sin and death had over my life. As a Christian, what's my response? Gratitude. But not just thank you, and, and then I move on. Gratitude that's so life-changing, it impacts everything. Philip Yancey, in his book, What's So Amazing About Grace, writes this. If I had to summarize the primary New Testament motivation for being good in one word, I would choose gratitude. Paul begins most of his letters with a summary of the riches we possess in Christ. If we comprehend what Christ has done for us, then surely, out of gratitude, we will strive to live worthy of such great love. 
You see, if we're looking at vital signs of being a healthy Christian, a healthy church, gratitude is absolutely key. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 says this, Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And I believe that the Bible teaches us to see gratitude as not simply a nice optional virtue, but it's a lifestyle that our Father invites us into, and a lifestyle that allows us to walk in the fullness of life. But I don't know about you, this lifestyle is not something that I find comes naturally. My natural inclination is to take things for, for granted, to whinge, to moan, to worry, to be preoccupied with the things that are going wrong in my life rather than give thanks. So this morning, I want to look at three things that help us to live out gratitude in our life. Recognizing what we have, remembering the giver, and finally, I want to look at the importance of response in gratitude. I heard a story about a boy called Johnny. And Johnny had this Aunt Margaret who was incredibly wealthy, had no children of her own, and what's more, she's one of these aunts that loved to spoil her nieces and nephews. And one day at a family party, Aunt Margaret gathers all the nieces and nephews into one, one room and says to them, do you know what? I've been thinking about the many things I have in my life that I feel thankful for. I'm interested to know, what do you feel thankful for? But to make this a bit more fun, I'm going to give you five pounds for everything you can tell me you're thankful for. Whoa. Well, Johnny's jaw dropped. Oh my goodness, five pounds for everything he could say was thankful for. Ching, ching. Images of the latest Xbox flashed before his eyes. He'd wanted one for so long, and here was his chance. But not just that. What about those football boots, the ones that his mum had refused to buy him, saying were a complete waste of money? Oh, he could just imagine rocking up to football in a pair of those bad boys. Now, Johnny is so busy dreaming about all the things that he wants that he almost misses Aunt Margaret calling his name. So, Johnny, tell me, what are you thankful for? But then the most awful things happen. Johnny's mind goes completely and utterly blank. I mean, he can't think of a thing. The silence gets really, really awkward until finally he blurts out, ah, but I've got a roof over my head, food to eat, my parents, and then that's it, silence again. Well, Aunt Margaret thanks him and, and moves on to the next person, and Johnny can't believe it. He's suddenly aware of all the things he could have said, you know, all the games, the toys, the bikes, football, basketball, his friends, the TV, the holidays, the list is endless. He didn't even say he was thankful for Aunt Margaret. Oh. You know, that story made me smile, but it also struck me how easy it is to be so focused on what we want that we fail to recognize what we have. And the first step in living out gratitude in our lives is, is to quite simply recognize what we have, to really open our eyes and, and see what we have around us. We live in this culture, don't we, that is constantly reminding us what we don't have, constantly pushing us to keep striving for the next thing, the next phase, the, the, the next upgrade, bigger car, Faster, faster car, bigger house. The problem is sometimes the want, if we allow it, can block our ability to recognize what we already have. And the eye wants are not always materialistic. 
Perhaps it's a desire to meet a partner or a new job, the, the current one's just grinding your toes. It could be frustration with family and, and the want is for them to be different, to pull their weight more. The author Ellen Vaughan writes, gratitude unleashes the freedom to live content in the moment rather than being anxious about the future or regretting the past. And I had a friend who was struggling with being single. To meet some, someone was the thing that she prayed for daily, the, the, the thing that kind of filled her, her thought life. But then God challenged her in the area of thankfulness and she began intentionally and thanking God for all the things that she had in her life right now. And as she did, something happened in her. She began to see this time in her life as no longer just kind of sitting on the shelf, but as an opportunity to travel. She began to see the freedom of what she could do, what she could get involved in, what she could support. And instead of just dredging her way through, responding in gratitude, released something in her, and she began to really live. Gratitude releases us to live content in the moment. When we allow God to help us recognize what we have and choose thankfulness, we start actively walking in the fullness of life. But as much as it's important to recognize what we have, we also need to remember the giver. And when you look back to the Old Testament, time and time again, the Israelites were instructed to remember and not to forget God in all that they had. And they were even given pointers on how to remember. They'd construct piles of stones in key places. They'd have festivals to mark anniversaries of, of things God had done, things God had set them free from. These are like symbols of gratitude to help them to remember. And in the book of Deuteronomy, the call to remember is there time and time again. Chapter 8 says this, Take care, lest when you have eaten and are full, and have built good houses and live in them, and when your herds and flock multiply, and your silver and gold is multiplied, and all that you have is multiplied, then your heart be lifted up, and you forget the Lord your God. You may say to yourself, my power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me, but remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. And he knows us so well. He knows how quickly we forget. How quickly when things are going well, we slip into thinking it's all our own achievement. And when it's all going wrong, how quickly we forget his provision, his faithfulness, as we slip into anxiety. I keep a journal of sorts where over the years I've, I've scribbled down thoughts and prayers, a bit of a record of, of things that God has spoken to me about. Do you know what? When I look back, it is staggering. So many prayers that I've seen answered that I'd forgotten I'd even prayed many promises that I've seen come to pass. Even just small things that, that, that I see God has done that when I look back and remember, give me hope about situations we're facing today. You know, the importance of remembering is not because God needs the recognition himself. Uh-uh. It's for us. You know, because when we forget the giver, when we fail to recognize the one who's given us our talents, our opportunities, Instead of gifts, we see rights and we move from a place of gratitude into a place of entitlement. 1 Timothy 6.17 says, We think we deserve so much, but what does any of us have that we haven't received? 
What does any of us possess that doesn't come down from the one who richly provides us with everything we enjoy? And as a follower of Jesus, in principle, I recognize that everything I have comes from him. Yeah, I recognize that the greatest gift I've already been given, life through Jesus. Yet how often I still manage to lose sight of this. How quickly I find myself forgetting and and slipping back into taking so much for granted into a mindset of, I've done this, I've built that, I've ticked that box, and therefore I deserve that. Another remembered statement in Deuteronomy says this, remember that you were slaves in Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath. I think it's interesting how in the instruction to remember, there is this command to observe the Sabbath, a a chance to make space to stop and remember where God had brought them from and what he'd done in their lives. I don't want my remembering to be merely a a a once-a-week thing. I know that Jesus calls me to remembering him daily as I walk through life with him. But if I'm totally honest with you all this morning, sometimes I just get sucked into the busyness of life and I forget Anyone else does that? You know, but that's why I kind of smile when I read that command to observe the Sabbath. It's a bit like a safety net put in place by the one who calls me into this lifestyle of gratitude but knows how easily I forget. The one who wants me to live life to the full yet recognizes my weaknesses. You see, there's something special for me about when we meet together as church and we worship think about songs it's it's for me they're sometimes they're almost connected to memories you know we sing that song even though i'm caught in the middle of the storms of this life i won't turn back i know you are near i sing that and i remember when i've been in those storms i remember how he's brought me through them i remember his faithfulness amazing grace I, i i remember the grace and forgiveness that has completely transform my life and when we take communion I remember the cross I remember the price that's been paid are you making space in your life to look back and remember are there songs that you stick on in the car that that are reminders are there places you go time you set aside that allows you to remember we need to make space in our lives to remember the giver and remember what he's given the final area that I want to talk about this morning is responding. And um, I heard someone once say that gratitude is never silent and it's never invisible. I kind of pondered on that for a minute, for a while, kind of thinking, well, you can be silently grateful, can't you? But the truth is that in living out gratitude as a lifestyle, whilst we need to recognize and, and we need to remember, for gratitude to be expressed, it requires a response. And I'm rubbish at that, this. You know, I've often got great plans for, you know, that card I was going to write, that text I was going to send, implementation, not so great. You know, and the potential impact of that gratitude gets, kind of slips away in my forgetfulness. You know, gratitude expressed to another person becomes encouragement. And when we think about the impact of encouragement on our lives, it's massive. You know, when somebody responds and thanks me, it builds me up. 
You know, I feel valued, appreciated. And it gives me the courage to step out again. And when gratitude is present in our relationships, they flourish. With my children, you know, parents, um, friends in the workplace, in my marriage. But the opposite is true as well. When we take it out of relationships, they begin to spiral. And sadly, I've seen the negative impact of ingratitude in marriage. And you know the story where a lack of expressed gratitude from one side leads to the other party feeling unloved and unvalued. And then a third party arrives on the scene, far more attentive, far more appreciating. And a relationship, once so strong, begins to disintegrate, at times into an affair, but even withstanding that, into a place of dissatisfaction, where both parties live in this, this growing resentment of each other. And it's heartbreaking. It's not what God intended marriage to be. And I believe that there's marriages even here this morning that Jesus wants to inject life back into. And the first step he asks of us is to simply recognize and start thanking one another. But also here in church, you know, in our community here at King's, we have so many opportunities to encourage one another through expressing gratitude. You know, the the people serving coffee, the welcome team, person playing drums, guys on PA, our small group leaders. We've got the potential to release such encouragement across our church when we open our mouths, send that text, write that card, tweet that tweet, whatever form um, responding in gratitude takes. But when we sink it and move on, the moment is lost. To feel grateful is not enough. We need to respond and express it. In Luke 17, we read an account of Jesus and the ten lepers, which for me really underlines the importance of response. And if you remember the story, there's these ten lepers who come to Jesus begging for help. And he tells them to go and show themselves before the priest. And as they're on their way, they, they discover that they are in fact healed. But only one of the ten returns and thanks Jesus. And as he's kneeling on his, at Jesus' feet, overflowing with thankfulness, Jesus asks a slightly awkward question. Were there not ten of you? Where are the other nine? Now, I don't doubt for a second that the other lepers felt grateful. You would, wouldn't you? But their gratitude lacked a response. Jesus turned at the leper at his feet and says, Rise and go on your way. Your faith has made you whole. And I believe that something significant happens when we actively respond in gratitude to Jesus. You know, gratitude expressed to God becomes worship. The psalmist wrote, Thanksgiving ushers us into the very presence of God. And when I move from simply recognizing the blessings in my life and remembering the giver to responding in thankfulness, something happens. You know, I can, I can hear the good news of how Jesus died on the cross for me how he's risen again, how he's invited me to live in life to the full. I can experience healing in my life. But if I never respond to Jesus, I miss the point and I miss out. Jesus said to the leper who returned, your faith has made you whole. He'd already received the, the, the healing physically, but in returning in that active response of gratitude, he came away with a far greater prize 
a relationship with a giver, wholeness. And maybe this morning, you know, you've never responded to Jesus. You might have seen answers to prayer. You might have even experienced touches of his presence in the worship. But you've never made that response. Thank you. Forgive me. Here I am. I'm ready to follow. And if that's you, I want to challenge you to get off the fence this morning. Jesus says, I have come so that you may have life to the full. Please don't miss out on that. It's time to respond and stop walking in all that he has for you. But neither is it one-off response. If we go back to 1 Thessalonians 5, it says, in all circumstances give thanks. And um, earlier this year, we had a really special family holiday. And um, there was this one day where I was walking along the seashore. It was a beautiful day. Sun was shining. The sea was just amazing. The kids were laughing, having fun. But it's one of those, those kind of moments you just want to capture and, and frame it and hold on to it. And so I was walking by the seashore and I was just saying, thank you, Lord. Thank you for my family. Thank you for this time together. Thank you for this amazing creation. You are so good. Same holiday, just a few nights later, I was awake in the night and, and running through my head were a whole host of, of situations and decisions that I knew I needed to address when we got back from the holiday. And I just felt churned up with anxiety and I, I just couldn't switch my brain off and go to sleep. I forget that. It's really annoying, isn't it? Um, so I started to pray and, and I said, Father, I feel so stressed. I need your wisdom. I need your peace. Please help me. And I heard him say to me, Jenny, what are you thankful for? Well, in that moment, I'm ashamed to say I couldn't think of anything. My, my head was just so full of all, all this worry. And if I'm completely honest with you, I was a little bit annoyed at his response when I was asking for help. But then came the question again, and with it all my memories came flooding back. I remembered how he's walked through trials with me, answers to prayer, his provision. And that night, I began thanking him. And here's the thing. As I did, I felt the weight of that worry begin to lift. I felt a lightness in my spirit because as I thanked him and I remembered the truth that I could trust him with all that was, a, was ahead, it, it moved from my head into my heart. And with it came peace. As I said at the start, gratitude is not merely a virtue. It's a lifestyle we're called into. And it's is easy, isn't it, when life's sailing along? But what about when we face hardship? And sometimes these are not just worries about the future. There are times when the situations are so big it's near impossible to see anything else. These are not simply things you can try and look on the bright side of. These are broken dreams, sickness, loss. In all things, give thanks. How and why would we ever respond in gratitude in the midst of this? I grew up um, going to a small Baptist church of which my dad was the minister. And when I was about 13, our church was involved in this tent mission thing, out of which we saw several people from the local community would meet with Jesus, get saved, and join our church. And amongst them was this family. And they had two, two little girls, um, one Helen, who was four, and Haley, who was 18 months. And Haley had been diagnosed with leukemia. And as we embraced this family into our church, um, we, we also started praying for this little girl. 
And it was a time where we'd really been seeing the spirit move in our church. Lots of, seen lots of miracles and healings. And I think we were just really expectant that this little girl was going to be healed. But over the next six months, we watched as her condition got worse. She lost all her hair with the treatment, and she just got thicker and frailer until the sad day when Haley died. And I wasn't allowed to go to the funeral, but I remember vividly my parents discussing the tiny, tiny coffin and the heart-wrenching sobs of this couple as they said goodbye to their little girl. And the whole thing, it really shook me up. You know, we were such a small church, and, and we grieved together. And I wondered what would happen to this couple that were such new Christians. But I watched as every Sunday they'd come along to church. I watched as the wife would throw her hands up in worship. I watched as she participated in, in praying out loud and giving thanks. And the question that hung in the air for me was, how can you be thankful when Haley died? And one day she, she shared her story, her testimony, and, and I, I got my answers, and this is what she said. Since I've met Jesus, my whole world has been turned upside down. I realize what a gift my children have been, not a right. I am thankful for every day he let us have Haley in our lives. I am thankful for Helen. I'm thankful for, for the timing of meeting Jesus before we had to face this, so that we are walking through this together, not facing it alone. I miss my little girl every single day. Knowing Jesus does not take the pain away. But walking through this with him gives me a hope and a peace. And for that, I am so thankful. You know, in a church that size, you, you couldn't fake it. You couldn't just put on a brave face. There was this raw pain mixed with a deep joy that I watched lived out in that couple's lives. And through trusting in Jesus and, and responding in thankfulness, I watched them walk and come through a journey of loss that could have so easily left them bitter and broken. You know, they, they now lead a church of their own, and for years they were involved in a charity that helps um, families suffering with child bereavement. Sometimes responding in gratitude takes sacrifice. It takes faith. But I believe that something deep happens within us when we respond in thankfulness. It draws us even closer to Jesus. And it allows us somehow, in the midst of pain, to walk in the fullness of life. Psalm 105, verse 1 says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Call upon his name. Make his deeds known amongst men. Gratitude expressed to God becomes worship. But you know what? Gratitude expressed about God to others becomes testimony. It becomes a story that allows others to hear and see the goodness of God. For some, it brings hope where there's currently despair. And it can be the catalyst to someone's journey to discovering a life-changing, life-bringing relationship with Jesus. Responding in gratitude releases something in us. But it also releases something in those around us. So in summary this morning, recognize what you have. Remember the giver. Remember what he's given. And may we respond in gratitude. To do this, we need to be intentional. But I also find 
We can only walk in this lifestyle of gratitude when we walk it with Jesus, daily inviting him in, daily fixing our eyes on him. When we choose gratitude, when we choose thankfulness in all circumstances, we choose life and we become free to walk in that fullness of life. Let me just ask you this. Is gratitude a virtue or is it a lifestyle for you this morning? Are there circumstances in your life where Jesus is inviting you to take that step of choosing thankfulness? You know, I believe that there's stuff Jesus wants to really release in us this morning. So I'm going to finish here. Let's meet with him and let's respond.